Promethean Project, A Mortal Reckoning, Episode 4, An Interview with Dr. Harans. Hello, everyone. I wanted to provide you with a better scientific explanation of T-cell ALL and a glimpse of the research being done in this area, so I'm taking a break from my story to share an interview with Dr. Daniel Harans, Assistant Professor of Pharmacology and the Principal Investigator at the Harans Lab at Rutgers University. Over the last 10 years, Dr. Harans has pursued a combined training in metabolism, epigenetics, and how both affect human cancer development through the generation and analysis of relevant mouse models. After obtaining his doctoral training in pharmacy from the Complutense University of Madrid, Dr. Harans completed a PhD in molecular biology and biochemistry from the Autonomous University of Madrid under the supervision of Dr. Manuel Serrano at the Spanish National Cancer Research Center. After completing his Ph.D., Dr. Harans joined the Ferrando Laboratory at Columbia University in April 2011 as a postdoctoral fellow. Dr. Harans's group at the Cancer Institute of New Jersey works on the discovery and characterization of enhancer regions critical for cancer cell survival and proliferation, as well as on the interplay between metabolism and epigenetics as a pathogenic mechanism in cancer using TIAL as a model. The long-term goal of the Harans lab is to find new therapeutic targets for the treatment of this disease. Dr. Harans, thank you so much for joining me. Of course, my pleasure. There are a lot of families listening in who are interested in learning more about T-cell acute lymphoblastic leukemia and the important research you're doing to find a cure. From what I've learned, it's a rare form of leukemia that's a real jerk of a cancer, and it even has a long, complicated name. Yeah, that's that's totally true. In in the field, we typically refer to it as T-A-L-L, just to make it shorter, right? T-cell acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Yeah. It's long. Yes, yeah. Yeah, uh, T-A-L-L. It's it's a disease uh, of the blood. It's a cancer of the blood. And it happens both in uh, in pediatric population, in kids and in adults. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, both of those type of populations have uh, slightly different type of outcomes. Mm-hmm. So in the kids, we are able to cure most of them nowadays with very uh, intensive chemotherapy regimes that's, to get to cure 80 to 90% of the kids. That's very uh, hopeful. That's that's fantastic. And, yeah, it is, it is very good, but still, and that's also something that we always say in our grants and and when we try to attract funds, you know, 10 to 20% of those kids still die. Right. Which, right. you know, if you think about kids dying from cancer, it's, it's terrible, right? Right. So the, the good news is that a, a big number of them we cure. The, 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 the thing that is not great is that we don't cure them all. Uh, and in the adult population, we typically cure maybe about 50% of them. Yeah. So clearly the adult population is lagging behind in the outcomes. Yes. Uh, so, of course, there's there's a need to keep investing in research and finding new strategies. And even with the children, you can cure 80 to 90 percent, but the, reg- the, the regimen is brutal, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so that, that's another. So I guess one part of the things we, we want to look for is new strategies, new things that can cure. And the other thing is things that can cure with less uh, long-term effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, those kids, and, and maybe that is also in part explaining why more kids get cured. 
kids can tolerate really strong regimes that adults can't. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, it's always a balance between killing the leukemia and killing the patient. Right. Uh, right. Because, of course, these, these things that you need to treat people with are, are you know, they are not water, but they are bad in general. Mm -hmm. You just need them to be worse for the cancer than mm -hmm. for the normal cells. Mm -hmm. So the kids get treated with really strong regimens. Uh, and that means that, you know, thankfully we cure that high percentage, but many of those see long-term effects, secondary effects, uh, uh, sometimes secondary cancers that develop later in life or, uh, you know, neurocognitive defects. Uh, because the, the drugs are, are really, you know, toxic also for, for normal cells. So we are always looking both for new things, you know, new mechanisms that can treat leukemia and for things that are safer, uh, if you will, uh, and, and can lead to less secondary effects uh, later on. Especially for kids, you think that, you know, as a kid, you expect to live decades afterwards, yes. right? Uh, yes. As an adult, of course, if you are 70 years old, let's say you want to get cured, you are not thinking necessarily about 50 years down the road. Right. Uh, so it, it's it's always a bit of a difference there. But, but yeah, we, we need both better treatments and, and, and uh, less toxic. Do more children? This this disease is so strange and, and again, relatively rare. But do more kids tend to get it or is it more adults? Like who in that in that equation? Well, it, it's actually kind of 50 50 mm -hmm. uh it's 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 more or less 50 50. Mm -hmm. so the thing is that in kids uh i guess so it's a it's a rare disease overall yes. PLL. both at kids and adults it's, it's a rare disease uh -huh. it's not breast cancer right. or lung cancer even right. uh, of course um having said that kids have a very specific uh range of cancers mm -hmm that they might suffer from. So of course, in a kid, you don't expect lung cancer or right. breast cancer. Right. So in kids, in the kids population is one of the prevalent uh, cancers. Mm -hmm. It's just that kids don't normally get cancer, mm -hmm. but among the ones that they do, leukemia is, is one of the most prominent. Mm -hmm. uh, I see, I see. Do, do you have any idea where this comes from? How do people get T-cell ALL? I mean, I think that the, the, the easiest uh, and shorter answer is just from living, right? I mean, our body Just from living, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah are, are composed of, of cells. Cells need to divide and, you know, and things go wrong at some point. And, you know, that's the, the easiest answer is that. I mean, some cancers are, are definitely very much um, uh, kind of uh, potentiated by external factors. Of course, if you smoke, you're going to get lung cancer with higher chances than if you don't. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes you just have a genetic uh, mutation since you were born that makes you predisposed to develop a certain cancer. Mm -hmm. uh, but many times it's neither of those. It's just random chance and random things uh, not going well in one cell at some moment, and that eventually leading to, uh, to down the road, uh, cancer developing. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, I'm sorry I cannot give a better answer, but it's it's just, uh, uh, to a certain extent, it's just uh, bad luck. And, and just being alive, you know, mm -hmm. exposes you to being sick. Yes, 
Yeah. There is a viral version of T cell ALL, isn't there? So it's it's not exact same disease. Uh, it's called adult T cell leukemia lymphoma. Mm. So the, the acronym there is APLL okay. instead of TALL. I which, see. You know, it's kind of similar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that that is driven by a viral infection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the TALL it's it's a uh, different entity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, you know it's like I don't know if, if you say. Uh, squamous lung cancer or non-small cell lung cancer and small cell lung cancer. So they are, you know, it's the same at the end tissue, right? This lung, mm-hmm. these are T cells, but the but the biology behind it is completely different. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, there is uh, this, uh, the APLL, if I, it's not the, the disease that I do research on, but if I remember correctly, I think it's endemic in Japan. Uh, and also in the Caribbean, there are there are these two hotspots of of APLL. Yeah. I remember so, what happens to the T cells that makes them go all haywire for people who have T T cell ALL? So, I guess so. T cells, as as any other cell in the body, uh, goes through a developmental process. So you you don't have T cells out of the blue. Right? Mm-hmm. You don't have a liver out of the blue. It, it needs to go through some developmental. Uh, process to get to the final stage mm-hmm. and so th- in, in that sense our blood cells uh, everything starts in the bone marrow mm-hmm. uh, with you know where you where we all have stem cells and those stem cells can can differentiate and lead to all the different cells in the blood mm-hmm. eventually mm-hmm. Uh, so in the case of T cells it would of course start with uh, a stem cell in the bone marrow those eventually uh, differentiate a little bit. Uh, they end up going to the thymus, and in the thymus is where they get instructed to become a T cell. But this uh, this is all a you know complicated process that involves several stages of division, mm-hmm. differentiation, mm-hmm. and there are many players there to actually make a T cell eventually become a T cell. And you know even there are different T cells, right? There are CD4, there are CDA. I mean, I'm, I don't want to go into many details, but mm-hmm. there are even different types of T cells themselves. So mm-hmm. it, it's a complicated process, multi-step. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess in, in any of those steps, something can go wrong. Mm-hmm. And whenever something goes wrong in, in one of those uh, um, kind of intermediate steps, then you can get a, a population that expands uh too much when it was not supposed to mm-hmm. and that's it, i guess in a nutshell what happened so it, it's it's uh t-a-l-l is a disease in which precursors of the actual uh t-cells uh that you would expect to see in the blood um expand mm-hmm. in, in a moment that they shouldn't be expanding and that can be driven by mutations in in an important gene that is normal for development but maybe having too much actually you know makes it go haywire as you said or some other genomic uh, translocations or i mean there are many reasons but just in general something goes wrong uh, at some point of the developmental process and then you get that uh, expansion of cells that are not uh, functional the way they should be And so your research, where is your research focused in, in that stage? Is that, that might be a really 
simple question to something that's very, very complicated, but is it yeah, possible so to... I, yeah, I, I can try to give a more of a kind of lay type of answer. Mm -hmm. So I, I have in, in my lab, we, we do work on T-cell leukemia, uh, 100%, and we have two broader areas of interest. One is, um, is more uh, kind of knowledge driven and basic research driven. So we are in, in, this, uh, in this area, we are interested in the non-coding part of our genome. Mm -hmm. So just for anybody listening, uh, you know, we have in our genome, we have genes, genes codified for proteins and most people, and most researchers study those genes because those are the ones that we get mutations, we get deletions, translocations, and those do proteins, and you know you get more or less, or uh, and thus and those can can contribute to cancer for sure. Oncogenes, tumor suppressor genes, all these things that we've known for for a long time. But in the genome, uh, most of our genome does not actually contain genes. It uh, most of the genome is what was called dark matter or junk DNA uh, some decades ago. Like no, nobody knew if it played any role uh, because it was known that it was not coding for genes, but what is it doing? Mm -hmm. So it turns out that junk DNA is not junk. And mm -hmm. uh, as you know, probably we, we should have all known. Uh, and in the, in the part of the genome that does not contain genes, there are many important regulatory regions mm -hmm. that are implicated in, in normal uh, development and also in cancer. So, in, in that sense, uh, during my previous studies, we uh, uncovered an important region uh, that is in the known coding part of the genome that is critically required for T cells to actually develop. So, you know, it's something that is, again, not coding, but without it, you don't get T cells. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and, and I'm still very much interested in, in this non coding space because there's so much of it, uh, and, and, you know, um, most of the mutations that happen in cancer happen in the non-coding region, just mm -hmm. because it's so big, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's most of the genome is non-coding, so most of the mutations happen there. But mm -hmm. because it's non-coding, people have not looked at it, and it's not very well known what it might do, if anything. Sometimes it's doing nothing. Sometimes it's actually doing things. Mm -hmm. uh, so part of the research in my lab is trying to understand regions in the non-coding part that actually are important in T-cell leukemia. Uh, and as I said, we, in my past, we, we discovered a, a regulatory region without which you don't get T-cells mm -hmm. and you also don't get leukemia. Uh, okay. it's, uh, and, and now we, we just discovered another uh, important enhancer. But this is, in a way, a bit more of basic biology stuff. I mean, that's not necessarily very easily translatable right away into um, into therapies. I mean, eventually we hope it will because knowledge, that's that's why we do research. You don't know what knowledge is going to give you down the road. Mm -hmm. um, every every part of knowledge is is, is good because mm -hmm. later on you will build up on it. Yes. Um, then there's another area of the lab that is way more translational uh, in which we we are interested in anything that is related to uh, cancer metabolism. So the, the way that cancer cells use nutrients in a way that I think it's more easily understandable maybe for people. Mm -hmm. And this is related to the fact that uh, some of the 
most commonly used uh, anti-leukemic drugs uh, for decades now. Some of those actually target metabolism. Uh, so methotrexate is an inhibitor of the folate pathway. Six mercaptopurin uh, inhibits nucleotide. So it, there's a variety of drugs that are currently being used in the treatment of leukemias. Mm -hmm. Target metabolism, so it's clearly an area uh, that is, you know, providing good targets. Mm -hmm. And we think that it's uh, that it's not uh, as studied as uh, not as studied. I guess I would say that there's still more to 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 get from it. We believe. Mm -hmm. So we are studying in a kind of methodical manner uh, different uh, metabolic pathways from different angles. Both genetically, we can do uh, genetic tricks in 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 mice to generate leukemias in which we can genetically inhibit one pathway or the other mm -hmm. uh, and we are also using uh, novel experimental drugs targeting these metabolic pathways because at the end you know that's what we'd be using patients right in patients you don't do genetic tricks uh, right. at least yet <laughs> yeah. you just treat with, with drugs uh, so we are exploring um, metabolism broadly mm -hmm. uh, to to to, uh, to try to cover to uh, try and uncover novel therapeutic targets it sounds like your research is foundational to other people's research in different leukemias and different cancers, or if not foundational, at least translatable or can be used, what, what you're discovering and what you're finding and what you're working with, that other people yeah, would be very think, interested in, in what you're doing. I think, I think and, and that's, uh, I mean, I have to say it's not just me. I think uh, every sort of re cancer research study is informative for others cancers and mm -hmm. rather I mean usually when you study one cancer type of course it's usually more relevant to the people studying that cancer because different cancers as we all know they are different they are treated differently and and even the same pathway might be doing different things in different tissues so you know it's not uh, apples to apples in a way yeah but again the same concept as before knowledge is always good because people can use it in in, in ways that's you don't predict right now and because anything that um you know any new light on any pathway uh it's helpful for people using or studying that same pathway in, in a different context because mm -hmm. you know things can be conserved or even if something is doing the opposite thing in a different tissue you might already think oh these people describe this this might be playing a role here too so we all uh, benefit from what other people are uh researching right so that's that's how science kind of evolves and, and gets better uh, over time. Mm -hmm. Now, what is the horizon of your research? Do you have any idea of how long it would take to kind of crack the code on, let's say, adult T cell? The, the success rates are, are, are impressive for childhood T-cell, but for adult T-cell, ALL, do you feel like you're getting any closer? I mean, I, this, is, this is not as a perfect answer. I, I, I guess know. that the, 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 the answer is we are getting closer every day, not mm -hmm. as fast as we would like to. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, the thing with, with T-A-L-L, one thing that you have to have in mind is that it's very rare. Mm -hmm. So it also makes it difficult to... Um, to test new treatments just because of it being rare. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's in a way, if you think about 
COVID and COVID vaccines, you know, just because everybody in the world is having COVID is relatively easier and faster to test vaccines. Mm -hmm. If you are dealing with a disease like, I don't know, Ebola, that happens once in outbreak in, in 10 years in a very specific small region in the world, then it's very difficult to even test mm -hmm. because you don't have subjects to actually do those tests. Mm -hmm. So number one, it's difficult to test new things just because there's very few people that actually suffer from leukemia. Mm -hmm. And then it's also complicated by the fact that we get to cure most kids and half of the adults. So it's difficult to introduce new things because mm -hmm. of course you first are gonna treat with the things that you know can cure already. You mm -hmm. know, the way clinical trials go is you always press new things whenever that person is kind of out of options. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you cannot you cannot test oh let's test something new uh, instead of giving something that we know can cure fifty percent already, right? Because that wouldn't be ethical. So it, it just it, it's difficult to to get to that stage because of those two basal problems. Mm -hmm. if, if I mean not a problem, it's good that it's rare, but for the rare people, that's yeah. that's one of the things. rare diseases are are difficult by definition because. Mm -hmm. Since they are rare, there's less research mm -hmm. being done on them, and it's also more difficult to even get uh, individuals enough to do to act, to actual tests of, of new things. Mm -hmm. That being said, uh, we are still, uh, as I mentioned, we we have a very translational part uh, of our focus in the lab, and we are working with new uh, compounds uh, that we are showing good effects uh, in leukemia models in mice. And the, the, the hope is that eventually we will be able to test some of these in clinical trials in patients. Mm -hmm. uh, now, again, it would always be in these relapsed or refractory patients that do not respond after a first uh, dose of mm -hmm. normal chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's that's where we are. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we, we are making progress every day, probably not as fast as we would all want, especially people affected from the disease, yes. of course. Do you talk to oncologists on a fairly regular basis about your research and about what's being practically used out in the field? Yeah. So we here at Rutgers, uh, we, we do have, uh, um, you know, um, clinical researchers are embedded here too, and we have uh, interactions with them and access to, to, to them. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's that's part of, of what we do currently I'm, I'm trying to put together uh, grants with with uh, the chief of uh, the pediatric division uh, that does blood cancer also talking to to the to the uh, doctors in adult patients mm -hmm. we are always trying to uh, to do and to focus our, our our energies in something that will eventually be potentially be tested in, in patients. Mm -hmm. right? At the end, we aim to cure humans, not mice. So mm -hmm. whatever we uh, we are uh, discovering in, in the lab, we we hope it will be informative and it will be tested at some point in, in patients. Yes. Yes. Wonderful. You're doing wonderful work. Well, Dr. Herans. On behalf of my family and all the families who have been impacted by this rotten disease, thank you and thank you to your team for all your hard work. Of course, uh, thank you. That's uh, where we are for, and we 
we just hope we would get uh, the cures faster for for everybody's sake. Mm. We 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 are doing our best. That's for sure. Yes, thank you. And I imagine sometimes in a lab, you might feel discouraged, but you know I want you to know, and I want your people to know that what you're doing matters. It matters to me. It matters to my sons. And it matters to all the moms and dads and sisters and brothers and friends who have loved ones who are battling this crummy cancer. So, you know, keep fighting the good fight. <laughs> yeah, thanks. It's, it's, it's true. The lab is it's not all uh, roses. There are many tough moments, especially because it's, it's, it's a, as, as a friend of mine working in, in science usually say, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the, the in-betweens are, are usually difficult most of the times things do not work mm -hmm. that's just the way it is and it's easy to get discouraged so you mm -hmm. just need to keep trying keep trying keep 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 trying and whenever you get to a moment that actually you find something good then that's kind of magical right yeah but it's just it happens it, it's rare that's the thing like the, the the routine is failure in science that's that's something that maybe not uh everybody in the lake uh, kind of uh, community knows you know we are failing constantly and and going through failure is tough as we all know uh, yeah so it, it takes resilience yes <laughs> to be in this business and i appreciate but, uh, course, you for nothing it compared to actually having the disease it's, yeah uh, so that's what we always need to be thinking of that at the end we are trying to do something for for the better good and uh, if something that we do eventually helps anyone that's you know at the end what else can you expect for? Yes. Can you ask for? So what kind of help do you need? I saw on your website that you're hiring. And I, I hate to yeah. refer to, you know, other cancers as, as popular or sexy, but T-cell is so rare, but it's still a very um, complicated and necessary kind of research that you're doing there. I imagine it's hard to attract lab assistants and researchers because it's not it's not high on the list of of cancers that we're used to hearing about so yeah. you know do you need people i as a matter of fact i, I do need people uh, actually right now i i have uh, right now our bottleneck is manpower we have more projects uh, that are looking good that one actually we can handle mm -hmm. uh with our hands mm -hmm. uh and it's i mean i guess Part of it might be related to the fact, as, as we are discussing, that TLL is not maybe the sexiest necessarily. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, I think most people or many people in research are not really looking for the, the, the cancer that is the most prevalent necessarily. They are just, in general, I mean, there's, uh, there's uh, uh, people for everything, but in general, we are interested in cancer broadly. Mm -hmm. And leukemia is part of it, so you will find people that are interested in leukemia. But uh, just, uh, I think that especially now that we are seeing uh, a tough environment to attract people uh, from, uh, from for, for different reasons, part of it definitely because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, the pandemic has made things tougher for everyone. Mm -hmm. And for the uh, academic research labs, uh, it's, definitely, uh, it's definitely not easy. We usually, leave a lot from uh, postdoctoral uh, uh, trainees mm -hmm. that most of the time 
uh, nowadays are foreign uh, trainees mm -hmm. uh, because in, in the USA, I guess a good number of people that do a PhD uh, after that go to industry mm -hmm. uh, because it's, you know, uh, you get better salaries in industry, you get a better lifestyle right away. And it's, it's I guess, again, tough to stay in academia. Mm -hmm. uh, and in industry, industry is uh is definitely uh based on the monetary uh factor at the end of the day so of course pharma companies are more invested in diseases that are chronic like diabetes or hypertension you know you will need to treat people forever so that mm -hmm. would be a lot of revenue a disease that is very rare pharma companies are not too invested because even if they develop something, it's gonna be so so few people, few people using it, right? So, uh, in that sense, I think that leukemia really needs a lot of push from the academic side uh, mm -hmm. because industry we will need it at some point if we find something good, but it's not gonna be invested in the first steps, uh, mm -hmm. so to speak. But um, going back to the problem of of finding people. Yeah, nowadays there's fewer people uh, willing to come to to the U.S. because of the pandemic, travel restrictions, mobility in general mm -hmm. is an issue. Mm -hmm. And then there's the, the 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 fact that industry is always a competitor that is luring people out of academia. Mm -hmm. So uh, you know, right now it, it's difficult to to get people to join labs. And I, I I'm just I think, as I was saying before, I don't think that this is particularly to us. I, I, I hear similar things from my colleagues in New York City where you think, oh, maybe people in, in New York uh, will have better candidates or more candidates because people want to go live there, maybe. Or, But it, it seems to be a worldwide thing. I, I talk mm -hmm. to my colleagues back in Europe and they all say, you know, it's tough to attract people. We are all going through a rough patch right now mm -hmm. uh, to get uh, even, you know, uh, manpower. So. Well, for anyone who's listening who's interested in working in a research lab, Dr. Hernandez is a, a really wonderful human being doing fantastic research. So check out New Jersey. It's cheaper than yeah. Manhattan <laughs> to <laughs> live. Know, for, for, for people excited to do uh, research with us. Definitely. Yes. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Hernandez. It's been a real pleasure talking First, to you today. Likewise. I'm always uh, happy to talk to anybody interested in, in, in what we do. I mean, at the end of the day, again, this is one of the few moments that you get to talk about something out to people outside of your lab and out your routinary failure of every day. <laughs> and, and it's good to, to, you know, to have it present that we do this for a reason that ultimately matters. Yes. So, uh, so it's, it's uh, been a pleasure. Thank you. What a brilliant man and wonderful human being. I think anyone interested in pursuing cancer research would be delighted to join Dr. Horan's and his team. You can find a link to Dr. Horan's lab on my website at www.prometheanprojectamr.com. You'll also find a donate button on my website that directs funds to the Horan's lab to support their T-cell ALL research. Though this might sound like a commercial, I want to reiterate that I don't have any sponsors. No one is paying me to do this podcast. I'm compelled to tell my story because it's helping me process my grief, and I want to try and find some way to use our tragedy to help others. 
like a rotting log in the woods that provides nutrients to new life. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for Episode 5, A Return to My Story.